Welcome to Sloppy Exchange. Today on The Exchange, the bag episode. We're going to tell some bag stories. We're going to tell about how we bagged our babes. Our today's What the Fact is a story about how plastic grocery bags even became a thing. I'm Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. And I am Mr. James Westfall. And this is Sloppy Exchange. Well, first of all, why don't you let your Wisconsin show a little bit and tell us... Since we brought this episode up, I've been very self-conscious of the word. My wife's Wisconsin show is much easier than mine. Um, (laughs) And especially if she's on the phone, back home to any of the family, or the bags. The bags. 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 But is it natural for you just to say sort of bags or somewhere in between? Not you're not that bad, but not, somewhere in between, I, right? Yeah. yeah I, if you're not thinking about it, yeah, no, no, I'm thinking about it. Everybody right. ahead. <laughs> hey, how many bags do we have? Right. That's I don't know. To me, that doesn't sound. Do, all do that you want to you want to play bags? <laughs> okay, so let's start our bag stories with this: the age-old debate, the classic, uh, at least classic for the last I don't know, 10, 15 years. Midwest, and when, yeah, Midwest backyard summer party pastime of tailgate barbecues, bags, also known as cornhole. So, what do you? Wh- how did you first see that game, and what what was it called? So, I first saw it after I got out of the Navy. Okay. We. we Played washers, which yep. is a very similar game, but portable. Yeah. On a ship, you can play that. The first time I saw it, someone from Nebraska, one of my buddies, had brought it to Virginia. Yeah. And he called it cornhole. Mm-hmm. And so it is cornhole to yeah, me. Yeah, it uh, is to me as well. But here in the Chicagoland area, many of the people I know call it bags. Because the first time I ever saw cornhole get played was at, I think, my wife's aunt and uncle had a graduation reception or something like that. And they lived down in Oak Lawn, you know, so South, South, Southwest suburb. We went down there and all of the, the graduate, her cousin who was graduating, she's much older than a lot of her cousins in that. So they were probably 10 to 12 years younger than us. And they were all playing this game out on the front lawn. We're like, Oh, what's that? And they were, Oh, it's cornhole, you know? And it was kind of funny because cornhole is a funny name, but I mean, in truth, it's a little, the bean bag is filled is with corn, corn, so you're putting you're, the corn in the hole, right. so it's cornhole. It's, it is the most reductive name possible yeah. for the game, right? And that's just blown up since, right? Because now, this was just sort of a thing they had rigged up, and now you can get these elaborate oh, sets, and you know they're all customized with teams and everything else. And I saw this Christmas season when I went to the mall, one mm-hmm. of those little pagoda kiosk yeah, things yeah. in the middle, with hundreds of the, the bags, mm-hmm. you know, every Every team you could imagine, every color, every pattern, camouflage, which I thought was ridiculous because <laughs> you're never going to find those fuckers if you play with my wife. <laughs> but yeah, man, like it's a it's a big thing now. Yeah, and it's fun, right? Like it, it it, especially fun. it's like a sat, you know a summer day and you're having a barbecue or something. It's just I've always been a fan of any sort of yard game slash bar game, something to do while I'm drinking makes me feel way more productive. Especially if there's some level of competition. Yeah, right? right? Like, I mean, yeah. my wife introduced me to the game of Beirut, which a lot of people call beer pong. Beer pong. And first time I'd ever seen that game, and I just immediately 
was like, this is so fun. You know, it's something to do. We'd have big tournaments yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. So, big fan of bags, cornhole, Any sport washers. You can do and get drunk while doing yeah. it. Going back to college, you know, darts was always fun, too. Things like that. So, yeah. Just, again, something to do. If you have any good stories about yard games or drinking games or anything like that, send us an email. All right. So, back to bags. I want to talk about shopping bags. Okay. And uh, in the village I live in, we recently implemented a ten cent per bag. That's tax. steep, man. That it is, is steep. steep. It's pretty steep. Chicago's at seven. Yes, you guys are at ten. Uh, there is no tax where we are, but a lot of places do go the other way. And if you bring your own bags, they, they you a, throw you a dime back. Yeah. So what's your thought on the whole thing? Uh, we were talking about this briefly earlier, and it ties into our what the fact later of how these plastic grocery bags, the current scourge of the environment, even became a thing. And that's our what the fact for later. So stay tuned. When you're at the grocery store, and I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because... 90% of the time we have we have the reusable bags in both of our cars yep. and you know we just use those but once in a while I get caught unawares I got to stop the store and get something and inevitably just out of this and I don't know if this is true or not but a perceived peer pressure from the checkout and bagging people paper or plastic I just say plastic cuz I feel like it's easier for them and if you say paper it's like a it's like a pain in their ass or something. I honestly cannot tell you the last time I've been asked. Really? Paper or plastic. Yeah. Uh even around here when I when they before they had the ban, yeah. right? Like So did they just automatically give you plastic? Everything or, was yeah, plastic. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and we talked about that earlier, you know, we were talking about the show. Yeah. When we were little, it was just paper. Yeah. Right. I remember when going to the store with my grandma in the eighties when it became a thing. Yep. And it was paper or plastic and it was such a cool novelty. Right. right? It was the coolest thing ever, right? Like They really did seem revolutionary yeah. at the time, I remember, just because the whole thing of you come home with a load of groceries in the back of the station wagon, one trip. you could ring those things on your arms yeah. and go inside with everything in one trip, which seemed like, oh, the future, you know? Four, four paper bags is about the limit. Anything above yeah. that, you're... Yep. And they're just, and they're, they're shaped bulky. differently. You got to get underneath yeah. them and stuff. So the handles on the top with the plastic bags, it seemed... Awesome, and even the paper bags with the handles, yeah. those Were, all fell You can't off. stack those no. as as heavy uh, so, as full as right. you can with the plastic. And when when we lived in in the city, and you know you'd have to make trips in because you didn't yeah. have a garage. Oh, yeah, yeah, I refuse. Especially if there's any stairs involved. Oh Forget God, yeah, it, right? yeah, yeah. I refuse to make trips. Mm -hmm. I mean. Like, you know, I don't know. These CrossFit people are crazy. They're trying to be functionally fit. They would if fucking lunge can, it. Listen, lunge I, it up the if stairs. If you could carry an entire shopping cart worth of groceries, <laughs> one on each arm, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you're fit enough. Right, yeah. Um, but the new cloth, whatever, the canvasy bags, they're sturdy. You can... Yep. I like it. I like the... Yeah, yeah. The, but the other week, um, I was at Walgreens. Mm -hmm. And the person in front of me lost their shit over 10 cents yeah. like what what do you tell me 10 cents? so i just put a quarter down on the counter and i said here take two and keep them <laughs> keep the change i mean it's yeah 10 cents is a little steep but it's not really yeah i know but if you add it up that you know how many times do you go to store and if you go if you get five bags every time let's say that's 50 cents a week and then you start doing the math it adds up i it's a, it's a deterrent i get right. it they don't want people using these things right, right? i mean 
The tax, I don't even know where that tax goes. It's a deterrent to get you off your ass and bringing the reusable bag. But I think the money for taxes goes where all money for taxes goes, which is to the rich people. Yeah, well, but I'm just saying this is a local, like, like in your village, I have it's no clue a what local thing. Yeah. You know, are they doing it for, are they giving that money? Is it earmarked for the schools? Is it earmarked? For, you know, who knows? Ultimately, it's to, to discourage it's, it the use because... Right. These plastic bags are fucking everywhere. There's an island of them floating around out in the middle of the Pacific, Pacific Ocean, Ocean right. that, you know, birds have just started living on and shit, right? Like, we are a filthy bunch of human beings on this planet, and most of it is us that call the United States home. We're fucking filthy and insensitive when it comes to the environment. Other bag stories. Do you have any other bag stories before we move on to so, our next segment? Uh, you know, like any good husband, mm-hmm. um, whenever I play the game bags Mm -hmm. with my wife. We are always on a team. We don't compete against each other. We compete with each other. Well, one of my wife's eyes doesn't work as well as the other. (laughs) Um, And by doesn't work, I mean it quit a long time ago. And so she has no depth perception. (laughs) So playing bags with her, the first few rounds are always really interesting. Yeah. For the other people. <laughs> so. Do they think that she's just like putting them on? Like you well, can't be this bad at this? Yeah, but so here's the thing. She's she's uh, very consistent, yeah. but not always precise. So yeah. she'll throw all of them, all four of them, in a three-foot area. Yeah. But it'll be like five feet short of the board or five feet past. But then she dials it in, right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's good. But like... The first round, she's always like, yeah, I'm not going to be any help. (laughs) But that's why, I mean, to your point of never competing against your wife, but always playing with her, teaming up with her. I think the interesting thing about that is bags, along with many other games that are arranged like that. That also means that you never have to stand with your wife because you typically take up positions on opposite ends of, you know, the playing field. So you get to hang out with, you know, a buddy buddy. or your your buddy's wife or whoever you're playing against. Anyways, you could talk a little shit across the board, but I don't know about you, but I always have more fun with whoever I'm paired up with, you know, just talking shit and whatever else. My wife's heard all my dumb shit. (laughs) Right? She knows your stories. Right. All right, so... So speaking about our wives, uh, let's talk about how we begged our babes. Yes. I met my wife when I was in graduate school, and she was already graduated. Um, She, unlike myself, had has a good head on her shoulders and her prime motivator when she got to college was what degree can I get in four years and get out and start making money and be marketable. Kids, great life advice. Yeah, great life advice. If if you're a certain type of person, and I love my wife to death, but it is everything about her is just, you know, efficient and common sense and so much of what it's is kind not of the about opposite me. Of you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Of course, she's going to go get a degree in engineering. And then when she gets out, she'll have good job prospects. So she was already working at the time, which was pretty awesome for me because I was just on the plan of I'm just going to stay in school as long as possible for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I'm pretty good at it and it's fun. A and lot number of people two, go to school for eight years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> and so um, I am not. <laughs> So, and as long as you're in school, they can't start collecting on those student loans. So as long as you just keep staying in school, those all get deferred and that's future James's problem. So, but you know, James, the, uh, the juice is, is rolling on that from day one. You're collecting interest. Yeah, that's okay. It's, I found through recent events that it's very easy to create an alter ego online. (laughs) 
<laughs> They'll never catch me. Never. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so yeah, she had gone to undergraduate school with a guy that I was living in a house with six guys and she had gone to undergrad with him. They were good friends. We were going to have a party one weekend at our party pad. And uh, so he had invited her to come up. The, I think the first weekend she came, she brought another friend who is also a super dear friend of mine to this day. Just really cool cool chicks, you know? I mean, we had a good time. And the first weekend, we didn't really hang out too much or anything. Uh, but then she came back about a month later for another gathering that we were having. And the magic happened at an event that will forever go down in history known as Malt Liquor Fest. Ooh. Malt Liquor Fest is classy as fuck, people. The goal was that a bunch of these geography graduate students, map doctors, was to make their refrigerator look like a Snoop Dogg video. Oh, so like when you opened the Dre, fridge, yeah. it was literally 40s stacked bottom to top of all sorts of different malt liquor. And you just sort of picked one out and felt like a, you know, a playa. So we hung out at this thing and we were playing Beirut beer pong. And so we met, we were playing teams. I was against my wife uh, and, and a partner. So we were paired up at the same end of the table. And at one point, I was just leaning against a wall, kind of in a stupor, and she just backed that thing up on me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey <laughs> Game on! So I was like, first time, you know, I'm not smooth with the ladies at all, so I kind of just thought, like, maybe it's an accident. Maybe she's kind of drunk, too, and stumbled backwards she, into she me. She was kind of drunk, but then too. She, yeah, she was. Uh, but then she did it again, and it was like, okay. So then it was game on, and we, you know, oh, yeah. had a had an awesome night together. And I got I consider myself so lucky in so many ways that she was not just some skank. She was an awesome person, right? And that right. was it. That was it for us. Side note, that's funny and hilarious to me, but not necessarily to her, is that after we ended up mashing all over the place at this party, I found out later from a friend of hers that she had fucking barfed like <laughs> an hour before. And we invented this game called Guess the Next Color Chewy uh, Spree. So we were going around with these big tubes of chewy sprees, and the, you would just pop it open to a person and say, guess the next color. If they got it right, they got the spree. If they got it wrong, they shot. had to take a shot. So we've been playing guess which color chewy uh, which color chewy spree all night. So, so she's got a what belly I heard full of chewy sprees. What of I liquor. heard secondhand from her friend who held her hair for her while she vomited all over this bathroom before making out with me later was that her vomit was the color of the <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> so there's that. Wow, I can't follow that. Yeah, so then oh. we dated, you know, she's an awesome, you know, she's an awesome woman. We dated long distance because I was still in school. She was working about an hour and a half away, and I, she drove up every weekend, basically, to spend time with an, an idiot and, you know, That's awesome. take me to awesome restaurants and, you know, basically pay for everything I needed uh, for a while. And then as soon as I graduated, we moved to Chicago because we had a lot of friends who were here and moved in together in an apartment and then <laughs> i want i had it in my head that i needed some time to be single and like be a dude and get an apartment with a buddy and you know just sort of have my freedom and that never worked out because I couldn't find a good roommate. My wife was my best friend anyway, so I realized pretty quickly that she and I needed to get a place together, and I was just fucking... I was done. I was out of the game, as they say. So I just admitted that. H hung up your pants and started wearing shorts. Exactly. And so then we lived together for about a month, and then it was February or so, or end of January, 
and I was having no luck finding a job with my master's degree in psychology. I don't understand this. <laughs> and they didn't teach you that in psychology. No, 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 no. And so I needed benefits, and that let you know sort of leads to my non-romantic romantic proposal. We're driving to a ski outing in the UP to with her side with her family. And I just looked at her in the car and said, you know, maybe we should just do this thing. And that was my proposal. And she's like, what? You mean get married? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So President's Day weekend of 1999, we got our shit out to Vegas and got married at Bally's Resort. Did Elvis marry you? No, it was a regular dude, but he was really cool. And uh, our wedding video is hilarious because it's from a static, like, it looks like a surveillance camera. <laughs> does it, it have a date stamp underneath? It does. The clock running. But we had some friends, you know, that came out with us, and that was really cool. And we had an awesome kind of long weekend in Vegas, got hitched, and then we came back and later that summer had sort of a big reception with our, where our families and friends could come and stuff That's like cool. that. And I... I love it. I wouldn't have done it any other way. Her father had passed away, so she really had no one to walk her down the aisle anyways. And by her account, he probably would not have been too cool with the whole Vegas plan. But we felt like we could do whatever we wanted, and that's what we wanted to do. And and your parents were cool with it? My parents came out. They loved it. They, you know, they her liked, mom? Yeah, her mom was awesome. Or, you know... Her brother and sister really did get the short end of that stick, though, because they were they're ten years yeah. younger than her, so they could not go onto any of the gaming floors or anything, and it was just, it was a shitty trip for them. And wasn't that at like the zenith of the whole make Vegas? Kid it was friendly? yes, and that's when you know the whole like they built roller coasters and stuff, and then as we were walking down the street, and they were edge you know elbowing my wife. My, my new wife, out of the way to hand her 14-year-old brother these stripper flyers and shit. We were just like, there's kind of a disconnect here between the old Vegas and the new Vegas, right? Because Candy Stripe there yeah. is not part of the new Vegas. She looks pretty old school to me, you know? Like, so anyways. Oh. And you. Tell us, how did you bag your babe? I think I was bagged. Yeah, I think you were too. I, 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 I vaguely know this story. So, um... If you are a follower of this show, you know that uh, I'm a smart ass. <laughs> I met my wife, no shit, in church. Uh, it was a meeting for a mission trip. The mission trip was going to be the summer after our respective senior years. I was graduating high school and she was graduating college. So I was going as a student. Cradle robber! I was going as a student yeah. and she was the chaperone. <laughs> This is filthy. <laughs> she walks in, and uh, you know everyone's kind of being introduced, and and they introduce her, and they say, you know, this is uh, Bill's daughter, and I say, oh, I didn't know Bill had any kids that lived. <laughs> First thing, right? So she's like, yeah, this guy's a smart ass, but I think he's gonna be fun. <laughs> so we started hanging out. We went on uh, the mission trip. Yep. Nothing happened, and I'm not saying that to avoid a scandal, because right. even if it did, who cares? It was right. 20 years ago, yep. but. Uh, Nothing happened. We became really, really good friends. And uh, one weekend, my aunt, uh, who had a forerunner with a trailer hitch, drug a U-Haul from the Milwaukee area up to Eau Claire, which is where my wife went to college, to pack up all her stuff. So my aunt, uh, my future wife, and I are driving you know, eight hours, essentially, there and back and packing up her apartment. And uh, we get back and we're loading everything up at her parents' house now. And no one's there, and we're sitting on the couch, we're watching a movie, and then we're snuggling, and then game over. 
right? And it was like friend to I don't Lava? Lava. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it was you know, no uh rainbow of Vavit, yeah. right? But uh it, you know, I don't remember what movie we were watching yeah. or what you know shirt she had on you know she was she was my best friend Mm -hmm. we had hung out for months you know talking about everything and anything and you know everyone else in our lives knew yeah they're together yeah before i did maybe she did i don't i don't know but uh she definitely made the move uh we were on the couch i was on my back she was laying kind of on my side she had the top position uh, and so she came in for the kiss. So. Oh, I thought she grabbed your hog. <laughs> no, no, didn't grab the hog. She, just, she came in for the kiss. And it was, you know, the uh, young, stupid makeout session of like four hours and then, yeah. you know, two days of tiggly lips. And yeah. like, yep. And it was weird because, you know, the implication, right? So she was the adult chaperone and now we've hooked up. I'm 18. Yep. I'm out of high school at this time, you know. But it was it was weird. Um, so uh, we didn't want to tell too many people right away. When my grandmother found out, she started calling her Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> uh, so at our wedding, the band played. Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah, so we dated for about three months. I had already enlisted in the Navy before, and it was an, on this delayed entry uh, program. So I was technically enlisted but hadn't gone to basic training yet and so i knew i had a date and i was shipping out and it was like you know three or four months after we officially hooked up Mm -hmm. and so i went to boot camp so nine weeks of you know hell and being separated from your puppy love right this new amazing thing uh so it got boot camp got over and i was like you got to come with me and she's like no i can't i'm up here so fast forward Six months, we're home in June, uh, up in Door County, and uh, we had gone jet skiing in the fall when we were still friends before we hooked up, or in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like 70 degrees, the water temperature was like 50, and I was like, we're going jet skiing. She's like, no, we are not <laughs> going, I'm like, we are going jet skiing, right? So I have the ring tied into the my shorts. <laughs> that could have been your first lost ring story. Right? Oh my, it was so fucking stupid. So it, the water's freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. We're out, we're cruising through, you know, uh, the bay, having this awesome time, you know, but she's miserable because it's cold. So we stop and I kill it and I turn around and say, you want to go in? You're cold, right? And she's like, yeah. I said, well, I got to ask you one thing first. And I ask her, right? I, the whole time I'm thinking, it's crystal clear. If she drops it, I could, I could <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully get it. <laughs> yeah. But God, please don't drop it. And then I'm thinking, like, if her finger, because it's so freaking cold. Yeah. Like, I had stolen one of her rings, took it in, had them tell me what size it was, put it back in her jewelry box so they do. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I was like, man, she loses this. But no, she, she didn't. And then, uh, yeah. So we were long distance, like you guys, for the first almost year of our relationship. Mm-hmm. I was in basic training and then Charleston for uh, school and she was in the Milwaukee area. So we uh, dated long distance for six months. And I said, if we, you either have to marry me or, or dump me because yeah. I can't do this. Yep. And luckily she said, marry. And, you know, we met in church. So it was only fitting. Like we should probably have our wedding in church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to get married like 
right then and there, justice of the peace, you come with me. But mm-hmm. we waited till Christmas, we had a wonderful wedding, and then moved to South Carolina with a car sick dog in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was our honeymoon. Good stuff. So, I, yeah, I think she begged me. I was oblivious the whole time, just, you know, hanging around. It's funny because I think <clears throat> different stories, but we do have some similarities that run through there in that both of us uh, were taken advantage of by older women. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so we really had no choice. My innocence was lost. <laughs> right. And that I think we both would agree that well into our marriages now, we're super fortunate that we are well into our marriages, right? Oh, because, man. you know, like... We are both just way over our skis. Oh, right. I mean, what the fuck? Like, how, you know, how did we do this? Because our wives are awesome. They're fucking cool as shit and smart and funny. And my wife has stopped listening by now. But, (laughs) you know, she is cool and smart and funny. But I think really, maybe she's a little dumb. Like, that's that's what I yeah. like. That's like she. There's just part of her brain that doesn't work. It's right. the part that, that like that judges. just turns a blind eye right. to all the shit you do. Right, right. Like, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's good for you. All right. So those are the stories of oh. how our respective babes were bagged, or we were bagged. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now for our last segment today, what the fact? What the fact, James? Today's What the Fact has to do with plastic grocery bags, which we talked about earlier in some of our bag stories. But we got to talking, uh, when did these even become a thing? Because we both vaguely remembered from our childhood that they were not. I very distinctly remember going to the grocery store and everything was rectangular bottom paper bags that you brought home your groceries in. So through the power of the internet, we have actually done something we've never done before on this show and done a little research. (laughs) So a company called Celloplast was the first company to make these plastic grocery bags that we know today. It was a Swedish company. This was in the mid to late 1960s. They weren't successful in getting really anyone to adopt them, but mobile was paying attention. So Mobile Chemical wanted in on this plastic bag thing. And from the 1960s on, the company pursued an aggressive policy on polyethylene packaging patents. By 1977, they were producing their own plastic bags. Plastic grocery bags were introduced in America in 1979. Kroger and Safeway picked them up by 1982, and relatively few stores were using them, but they had them, and it became the classic option of paper or plastic. Yep, the little one, the little grocery store by us did not. My grandma's grocery store did, and it was the coolest thing ever when they asked, paper or plastic. Yep. (gasps) Yep. They seemed like a revolution at the time. I remember everybody just thought they were so great. They were light. They were strong. You could carry a bunch of them at the same time, and I think that it was very short-sighted because now take a ride down any road and look at them just fucking stuck up in the treetops where no one will ever be able to get them down. And as you mentioned, in the gutters around here and everything, and I think we see why... This has rolled back to now, hey, people, we got to be a little smarter about these. Recycling them is possible, but it's not easy. And as we were talking about, a lot of grocery stores have dedicated, you know, collection bins. It's not just something you can put out in your curbside recycling uh, because they are this petrochemical that's a little different than your classic plastic recycling. But they are recyclable. Yep. So please recycle your plastic and, bags. And they are take reusable, them, right? Them, right. Reuse them. Take them back to the grocery store yep. to recycle them. And seriously, think about 
forking over the dollar or two for a couple canvas bags and using them because it's going to save the earth. Over the rest of the 1980s, the plastic bags started gaining traction. And by 1985, they were kind of a breakout. There was a Society of Plastic Engineers, Newark section, held its regional conference at the Holiday Inn in Somerset, New Jersey. There, history was made. The topic of the uh, summit was new materials and profits in grocery sacks and co-extrusions. Sexy, dun, dun, dun. right? That sounds like a good time. So I, I basically, I saw an adult movie with that same name. <laughs> Co-extrusion. <laughs> and so like with so many other things, <clears throat> it came down to dollars, right? One, there was a guy there who uh, named Vince Statton. He gave a talk that basically showed that 1,000 plastic bags would cost stores $24, while the same number of paper bags would set retailers back $30. Even given the fact that you would need more plastic bags to pack the same amount of stuff, you can't get as much in one of those plastic bags as you can in a paper grocery bag. Right. The money still made sense, and everybody went for what was cheap and available. And then, you know, by the '90s, that was all there was. Right. You know, and then now we've again swung back to and most reusable stores, bags and, and paper. But most stores you go to outside of Chicago, where they've been banned, mm-hmm. they don't even ask anymore. It's plastic. Yeah. You know, you look at the self checkout lines at the Targets or the WalMarts or the Anywheres. There's no paper bags there. Yeah. It's a carousel of plastic bags. Yeah, I think it's mostly grocery stores that are the lone holdouts that still keep both. I know Mariano's is, uh, you know, the big chain around here these days, and they always ask paper or plastic. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, my knee-jerk reaction generally is just to say plastic because it seems easier in some way, you know, and I I really should get over that. We used to reuse the plastic bags kind of a lot when we had cats, and they really are convenient for litter box and stuff like that. The problem is, is that... We know that these things stay around forever. Ever. They basically don't biodegrade. So I have contributed probably 150 bags of cat shit that will never go anywhere because they're tied off in these bags that will never go anywhere and are sitting in landfill. Um, yeah, but anyways, for the most part, I think you guys are the same as us that we've kind of eliminated them from the household. All right, so that is today's What the Fact, and that is today's show. Do you have a parting shot for us, Dr. Ken? I do have a parting shot. Put it in a bag. <laughs> and I have a parting shot, but not a plastic one. <laughs> oh, keep it sloppy. Yeah, remember, shoot us an email at sloppyexchange at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Tell your friends about us. And for today, Dr. Ken. This has been a sloppy exchange. Oh.